Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NSFT Mental Health and You podcast. Um, today is Recovery College. Uh, my name is Brianne. I'm staff tutor at Recovery College, and I have a guest with me today who is a former um, student at Recovery College and I'm hoping to be a peer tutor. So um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi there, Brianne. My name is Sonia, and uh, I am a trainee peer tutor recovery college thank you very much um so today i'm really excited for today because what we're going to do is sonia is going to tell us her story and um, we talk a lot about stories at recovery college we've talked a lot about stories on the podcast before so today sonia is actually going to tell tell us her story and then afterwards um, we'll just have a bit of a chat about it so sonia over to you Okay, right. I'm sure you've all heard of the saying, the seven-year itch. Well, mine was my seven-year blip. Uh, for me, the word blip sounds much better than the stigma of the, of the word nervous breakdown. Basically, uh, like tens of thousands of divorced women uh, dealing with their everyday stress and strains of modern living, bringing up my son on my own and juggling work, renovating a property, and hopefully being a supportive and loving parent to my son. My biggest problem was I was always felt very guilty that I had taken Ben away from the life he had with his father and I had moved back to the love and security of Norfolk. Never once did I stop to take time out to think or, or talk about my past life. And I always just thought how lucky I was to have supportive friends, family, and a beautiful son. Without me realizing it, over the years, I took on all my son's pain, hurt, and sadness with regards to his relationship with his father and the new lady in his father's life. Three babies arrived very quickly, and Ben was completely pushed out at the forefront of his father's new family and was made to babysit his young siblings every evening when they went out, when they went out on family holidays, even though Ben was only 10 years old himself. And sadly, he never had any quality time with his father again. I felt such terrible guilt thinking, if only I had not have left his father, Ben would not be going through all of these painful negative feelings. So for many years, I took on board all of Ben's pain and, and in return, I cocooned him with love and security. But I always encouraged him to love his three little sisters because jealousy is such a wicked emotion. And I never wanted my son to ever feel jealous towards his sisters. Thankfully, Ben has a fabulous relationship with his sisters now, but it definitely took its toll on me. Outwardly, I would appear always happy and smiling, but inwardly, I was living off my nerves, causing me great anxiety, sleep deprivation, and totally no interest in eating. 
which I later learned was my way of punishing myself for all the guilt I felt. And this is a sign of self-abuse. Thankfully, my father noticed my weight loss and actually moved into my home to make sure I ate properly. I now realize how lucky I was to have such a loving and caring father. He was definitely my rock. I never realized what I was doing to myself, both mentally and physically, until it was too late and I ended up having a nervous breakdown and I was diagnosed as clinically depressed. I went into a very dark place to the extent that I had suicidal thoughts, thinking my son would be better off without me. Considering that I was normally a person that loved life, was always very energized and loved my son more than life itself. How could have all these qualities totally disappear out of my life? I was replaced by a person I didn't recognize at all with a very fuzzy mind, which scared me because I thought I was going mad. I became very withdrawn with no confidence at all. I never wanted to leave my home unless with very dear friends or my son. I didn't care about my appearance, wearing the same clothes for days on end. I couldn't be bothered to eat properly. I had a total lack of energy preferring to lay on my sofa and watch television. I had no interest in my home or my garden. In fact, I was a complete zombie. Over the next few years, I crawled my way back into some sort of order in my life. At least I wasn't spending every day in my dressing gown and pajamas anymore. Occasionally, I was actually going for walks on my own as I realized it made me feel so much better getting exercise and fresh air. And I gradually decided to spend more time in my garden, getting back to mother nature and realizing how much pleasure it gave me. So little by little, I began to feel more confident with my life. I stopped asking friends to accompany me to the supermarket. And I was always at my happiest when my son came home to Norfolk for a long weekend. Step by step, I gradually improved with time, making sure I had a daily routine. Thankfully, this enormous mountain didn't look so high anymore. Until shock horror hit me when my father passed away with a heart, heart attack. I no longer had my rock. My security blanket was lost forever. I couldn't even cry at my father's funeral slowly, my old symptoms gradually returned. I went into my shell. My son could see the change in me every time he came home for a weekend. He begged me to have another dog, which would make me have a reason to get up every day, get myself dressed and go for a walk with the dog. In return, the dog would give me so much love and affection. But the black cloud began to reappear in my life and the vicious, cycle of thoughts, anxiety, tension, lack of sleep, not eating properly, finally took its toll on me and tipped me over the edge yet again. Thankfully, this time, my doctor, I had a new female doctor and she referred me to the Gateway's house in Wyndham 
and a peer support worker came to visit me on a regular basis. I felt very relaxed in her company and she genuinely seemed very supportive of me and encouraged me to enroll into the courses at the Recovery College, which I duly did, and I have never looked back. Over the past two years, I have enrolled into many courses at the Recovery College, learning so much about how, how our bodies and minds work together, learning new techniques to help control my anxiety. Every day that I attend a course, I learn new things about myself and about my fellow students, sharing each other's experiences. I know I have gone from strength to strength and I'm totally at ease with myself and enjoying life to the full. The word empowerment comes to mind, which basically means I'm back in the driving seat and in control of my life. There's a brilliant video you can watch on YouTube called My, My Dog's Name is Depression. It is a very powerful video relating to how depression can completely take over your life like it did with me, how you struggle with it, how it tries to lead you into a different direction. It stops you being yourself. It affects millions of people. And you must always remember that however bad it gets, it will pass. Always be honest with yourself and never be afraid to ask for help. I can genuinely say the Recovery College has been my mentor. It has allowed me to say certain things I could not have shared with my son, close friends or family. I can reflect on how I have progressed and have a fuller understanding of my situation, knowing the telltale signs and check to make sure I do not fall into the trap of becoming too anxious and stressful again. Remember, we must always be in control of our own lives and must be in the driving seat. Always be courteous, respectful, sensitive, and honest to everybody in your life. And remember, life is not a dress rehearsal. Utilize every day with positive thoughts and actions, if you can. I can never thank the Recovery College enough for all the help and support they have given me over the past two, well, it's nearly three years. And, I, and the reason I'm telling this story is because I would like to give back to the Recovery College in the form of volunteering as a peer tutor and give hope, encouragement, aspirations to fellow students suffering with similar conditions. I would like to finish my story with my favorite quotation. My mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with great compassion, passion, humor, and style. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. Well, you know what? I've never heard that before. So um, that was my first time hearing it as well as it will be for the out there's first time listening to it today. So thank you so much for sharing that. My pleasure. I actually didn't know what you were going to say, but it was really inspiring, actually, to hear your story. I, I, I wonder what the difference was. So, so you've obviously had a couple of bouts of depression that have really, really hit you hard. They've really affected you. And the first time 
you didn't have recovery college and the second time you did but you still did it the first time you still managed to uh to, to get to get back to to yourself and and your life what what was the difference between both times do you think oh gosh because the first time was so long and i just i really i just lost so much of my life really um when I, and it was my son and dear, dear friends that just got me out. And it was my son. It was my son who really, because I can just remember, he used to come home all the time to just, to be with me. And I was living down in Devon at the time. And it was a long journey. And, and I remember once we were going out down to the beach and, and, up in North Norfolk and walking along where we always used to have our holidays with our caravan and 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 he just said mum you just gotta get better you have to because you know when I and he's got met a girl a lovely girl he said because mum when I get married and have children he said that's what you want more than anything he said but you won't be well enough to look after them and of course, with that, I just burst into tears. And he cried, and we just were on the beach hugging each other. And it was that emotional. But that is what brought me back because I love him so much. And it just, so that and the adrenaline kicked in to make me get on come on come on there but I and I did and I did um but it but then when it happened the second time which and of course what I I made the big mistake is with the first time when I thought I was back on I'm fine no medication no nothing uh which of course I should have carried on taking the medication maybe I should have done I don't know because I'm a very much, I, I know medication is meant for a reason. And of course, it helps so many people. So how dare I ever say that? But because when I felt better, I just stopped everything. Because I'm a person who thinks, oh, I'm back there. I'm just, nothing wrong with me. But then, of course, over the time, I just got anxious again. And, you know, I'm such a, I was just running on that treadmill. And I had another blip. But then when I came out of that, it was the recovery college that brought me out of it all. And now I would um, be eternally grateful. It's interesting what you're saying because in both situations, it feels like a really powerful but difficult conversation had to happen first. Mm. And there's something about recovery, isn't it? And 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 like you said in your story, you know, Pete, like it would be, don't suffer in silence. Always, always talk to somebody. If if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, always share because there's there's someone there to listen. I think there's just so something so powerful in that connection. Mm. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and I can really genuinely feel for people that I didn't realize there are and. There are people who don't have any friends. You know, I never realized that. I just thought everybody had loads of friends. But of course, true friends 
if you can count them on one hand, you're really, really lucky. Uh, but um, yeah, and people also, you know who your true friends are when you're down there. Because so many of my so-called hello friends didn't want to know me, ignored me, ignored me. Whereas before people would always speak and, oh, you know, because I'm always so chatty. I remember those people and they will never be close friends ever again. But yeah, but they are what they are, you know, no big deal, is it? It's, it's interesting that you say that because I think people often don't know what to say. But equally, um, situations like that, um, and for myself as well, people um, and how they do or don't respond that meet your expectations can be a turning point in mm. story. It can either trigger and be a catalyst for recovery, like, oh, I'm really going to strive for this because, mm. you know, this person is really important to me, or mm. I'm really going to strive for this because I'm a little bit disappointed that these people didn't understand. Mm. So it can be a real catalyst, I think, people. But again, it's really disappointing. I've been there myself when people haven't known what to say, so they choose not to say anything. And it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. But, it's a, but I think you, we also need to remember that some people don't know what it's like and, and they just don't know what to say. And that's where kind of education comes in as well, doesn't it? I think to, to kind of um, tackle stigma of mental health challenges. You are so right, Brianne. So right. And that's why I say, our little royals, Prince William and Prince Harry, they did, they have brought out that word, mental health, out to the bigger world, you know, which is great because we should all talk about it. And thank God we are. Thank God we are. And I know for me, I never told anybody that I was sad, unhappy, never. I was always, I was fine because I had my son, I, and I had nice things around me. How dare, how dare I not be happy? But of course, how wrong, how wrong. It, it's all relative, isn't it? It's isn't all it? relative. People are in different situations. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that just because you have things around you, it doesn't mean that you can't be lonely, and it doesn't oh. mean that you can't be living with some real challenges. And people feel guilty, don't they? People feel guilty like that. You know, other people are suffering more than me. How can I even, how can I even say this or feel this? Yeah. It's not right. But it is right. It's all relative. People, and it's, it's all valid what people experience, regardless mm. of the situation. Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's why the Recovery College is so fantastic, because it allows people to be aware of all of those things that go on in our mind and what, you know, for me, I learned so much about depression that I realized it was a body reaction mm. that makes you go into a deep depression. I never realized that, you know, so I can, so I can genuinely say to anybody that is clinically depressed, you can get out of it. Uh, you really, really can, and become a better person. Because I actually believe I'm a much better person 
than I was before my blip. You know what, this is really interesting. I'd love to pick up on that because I have taught many courses at Recovery College and a big conversation is all about, well, how do I get back to how I was? How do I get back to how I was before my blip? How do I do that? That's something that people desperately want to cling on to. Mm. Some people can get back to how they were. Some people don't get back to, to who they were. But interestingly, most people do prefer who they who they are afterwards because of mm. the growth that they've been through. Mm. Oh, you're so right. You know that expression, either something bad, something good happens. It's yes. like the pandemic. There's been so many disastrous things. But for me, it was because I couldn't, I was allowed every day to go on to the Recovery College Zoom and webinars. And so for that 18 months, I would never, if I'd have been back to my normal, I'd have been out there playing golf, playing bridge, doing all these things. And, but because I every day was linking into it and learning so much, never feeling alone, like so many people do during the pandemic, I learned so much and so much that, though, of course, so for me, the pandemic, helped me mentally grow so much. And I know I'm a more uh, simpatico, as the Spanish say. You know, I'm muy simpatico, I'm very compassionate, you know, because I, I realise all the things I've been taught, you know, which is really just being lovely to other people and to be considerate and to listen and not always to talk. As my dad said, you have two ears, and one mouth, so you should listen more than you talk. But as you know, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like your values have driven you quite a lot. And that's, again, that's something else we talk about Recovery College, living in alignment with your values can be really helpful along mm. your recovery journey. And it sounds like with your compassion um, and, and your will to thrive um, are, our values of yours is it with us would you say that was right oh absolutely absolutely yeah and nobody when i had my blip nobody could understand it absolutely nobody because it was so not me but it happened and also because i then had another blip okay and now i but i never ever ever take anything for granted ever ever again i do leave live every day to my fullest i really do because nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring and and i do feel that you know it's uh, it is being aware of your body and if those telltale signs if i get and i know when i oh i'm so speedy i get really speedy and then i lose weight as soon as the weight goes off, I know to check because that will be my sign that I'm getting very anxious again. So that sounds very much like wellness planning, being able to recognise what your triggers are and being able to know in advance perhaps how you're going to manage them. Is, did yeah. you do the wellness planning course? Of course. I've done, yeah, of course. You've done I, oh, I loved it. I loved it. In fact, 
I was, I went on it twice. I loved it. It was so good. Oh gosh, yeah, Danny did that one. And I, it was fantastic. And I would say to everybody to go on that. But the ones also are like, you know, Chime and Five Ways of Wellbeing. They, for me, are a great introduction because they just tell students right now, this is what we're about. And those two things, chime and five ways to well-being, are such beautiful thoughts to have in your mind. Because it's all about your mind. So if you've got those lovely thoughts, it takes away all of that mixed up stuff, the fuzziness. And that for me was, you know, that's why it's so good. <laughs> Let's just tell everybody if they don't know what those things are. So CHIME are kind of recovery principles and it's an acronym. So those are um, connection, hope, identity, meaning and empowerment. And mm. They are the recovery principles. And the idea is that if you can get some of those into your life, then your recovery journey um, can, can be improved um, little by little as you start to, to have those things in your life. And that was based on a on a study um, based on people's recovery stories. And the other one is a, is a government led initiative, Five Ways to Wellbeing, um, and how you can improve your, your well-being, not just mentally, but physically. So we and those are both webinars, short webinars that we um, that we hold that people can join in. And I don't know, have you got a favorite out of Chime and Five Ways? Oh. Well, I should, well, because I'm, they're, they're turning five ways to well-being is going to go onto Zoom. And I'm hopefully going to be involved in that because I've been helping Danny with it. And so, I mean, because I'm involved with that one, I suppose my heart is there only because I'm, but I also think that Chime is great. The two of them, anybody who's coming to the recovery college, they must do both of those things first. They just, that is, for me, that was saying, this is what Recovery College has, what we're all about. So, yes. Uh, thank you. And are there any other questions that really just, are just so prominent for you that, that you really enjoy? Oh, right. Well, yeah, um, anxiety and depression, of course. Of mm -hmm. course, that was a big a big one for me to learn about adrenaline and uh, uh, cortisol, you know, and all the things that you bought. That was brilliant. Um, oh God, even bereavement, uh, loss and bereavement. I, I, that was a good one because we all lose somebody in our lives or, and so that was a very, that was a very compassionate wonder. I, I learned and I've, and some of the things from that, I've been able to pass on to friends that have lost loved ones. Like I had a friend who lost her son, he was only 40. I played golf with her, she was devastated. The pain she had, I felt for her so much. And, and it was during the pandemic and she just used to drive and we just used to walk through the woods and round the lake. And I just gave her all the things that I'd learned, all the things I'd learned from the recovery college, really. I just kept every day just giving her a little bit of 
love, hope, because it must be awful. Yeah, and I think actually there's a lot to be said for just holding that space and holding that hope for people, as you're talking about, just kind of being there. And you don't necessarily always have to do something special, do you, or yeah. say something, something particularly special. It's yeah. being there for somebody, holding that space, holding that hope, and, um, you know, what you said, getting back into nature, you know, going for a walk or connecting with nature is, is something that a lot of people talk about. And they should do it. They should do it if they're fortunate enough to have lovely walks and near to them. Because for me, I know that where I live, it's, I have those beautiful walks. And yeah, and you can just hear the birds. I mean, it sounds so corny, but my God, it is so true. Mother Nature, hey, nature was here way before us little humans were ever. Who the heck do we think that we think we know it all? We don't. We don't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off. No, no, it's fine. I just and. I just I just think it is important nature and, and you don't necessarily have to live somewhere with lots of nice walks I think sometimes just getting out in the fresh air absolutely taking that time and that space yep. a lot of people report that that's really helpful yeah recovery yeah and I do even think I can honestly say that just walking along the road and looking at and smiling at them I know that sounds really corny but you know for somebody just to smile at you is a lovely thing to do because you know we all you know we during the pandemic everybody went through it everybody went through it in their own way and yeah. and I just hope that we've all come out of it much stronger and to appreciate really what we've got in our lives and not to be so demanding you know i'm glad that i'm no longer that demanding person that i thought i was looking for so much in life but i realize i've got so much and appreciate it really <laughs> and that is a lovely thought to end on um a gratitude practice which again has been proven to be so helpful for our emotional well-being um, mm -hmm. So, Sonia, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so, so nice for you to share your story and to have a chat. So thank you very much. My absolute pleasure, Brian. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight. Do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts. They're all in the show notes. And more than anything, look after yourself. <laughs>